Podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. It's November, and we're spending Thanksgiving month expressing our deepest gratitude to you, our mysterious listeners. A few weeks ago, we selected five old-time radio episodes originally broadcast the week of Thanksgiving and gave listeners a chance to vote for the episode they would most like to hear. And here are the results. In fourth place, a tie between Boomerang from Inner Sanctum Mysteries and Chain of Command from X-1. In third place, the most famous man in the world from Mysterious Traveler. In second place, Super Highway Robbery from The Green Hornet. And our winner in first place... The Thing from the Sea from Dark Fantasy. Dark Fantasy ran from November 14th, 1941 through June 19th, 1942, originating from station WKY in Oklahoma City and broadcast nationwide by NBC. The show was created and written by Scott Bishop and promoted by NBC as the successor to Lights Out, which left the air two years earlier. Most of the actors heard on the show were also from the Oklahoma City area, including veteran radio actor Ben Morris and local stage actor Eleanor Naylor Coffran. WKY's traffic manager Daryl McAllister was brought in to handle sound effects. According to an article in the Capital Times published April 19, 1942, Bishop believed radio horror was best achieved through things unusual or even supernatural because it's not the terror itself that causes listeners' hair to rise. It's the unseen, unaccountable cause of the terror. Scott Bishop would go on to create and write another radio series, The Strange Dr. Karnak. The show followed the exploits of Dr. Karnak as he investigated supernatural mysteries. Sadly, no episodes of this series are known to exist. Fortunately for horror fans, 27 of Bishop's 31 dark fantasy episodes survive today. And now let's listen to The Thing from the Sea from Dark Fantasy, originally broadcast November 28, 1941. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Well, we can't wait any longer. We got to go to press. Let's see what you got. 
Yeah. Yeah. Story from the film Capital. More than a week ago, November 20th to be exact, Philip Hayward, young cinema star of yesterday's bread, and the popular actress Judith Johnson set sail for New Zealand aboard Hayward's private yacht. As chaperone, Miss Johnson's movie director father accompanied the pair, and it's reported that... Johnson Sr. is taking advantage of the sea voyage to complete his original cinema yarn, a story of the strange creatures who live beneath the surface of the sea. That was more than a week ago. Word's been received from New Zealand that the Hayward yacht's more than two days overdue. A careful check gives evidence that there have been no disturbances on the Pacific throughout the time the party's been aboard. Special searching parties fail to discover the whereabouts of the boat. Question in Hollywood tonight, the question everywhere is, what's happened to the trio aboard the Dolphin? Where are they? Have they become victims of the fantastic creatures created in the imagination of the author-director aboard the yacht? That is this week's unsolved mystery. Will it ever be? Oh, that's all right. Uh, boy. Right. Get this down to makeup. Let's get rolling. Right away. Hayward, stop that fool noise, will you? Oh, take it easy, Johnston. No reason to start shouting at each other, you know. Now, look here. We've been becalmed for two days and a night now. We haven't moved a knot one way or the other. Well, I assure you there's nothing wrong with the motors. I've been over them myself. For some fantastic reason, they just refuse to start again. Why? Why won't they start? I don't know. Why did they stop in the first place? Oh, it's weird. It's like, well, like some strange spirit... Has descended upon the boat. Oh, nonsense. Is it nonsense? There are many terrifying legends about sea spirits, fantastic adventures that have happened to sailors at sea. Just a lot of myths. Who knows what strange creatures lurk beneath the sea's surface? Who can tell what might come up out of the depths at any moment? Oh, stop it. You're talking like a superstitious old fool. (laughs) You made too many goofy movies. Just because you won an Academy Award is no sign I'm going to swallow the tripe you dish out in those eight real clam bakes of yours. No. no. Judy. You can't. Hey, what's the matter with you? You can't. I... No. I won't let you. Daughter. Daughter, hey, wake up. No. You can't do it. No. No, I can't. No. no. Judy. Oh. Judy, darling. What in the name of heaven? Judy. Oh. Are you all right? Oh, oh. I was asleep, dreaming. Oh, oh, it was horrible. I'd say it was a nightmare. I I dreamed I was talking to a young girl. Yet, she didn't seem like a girl at all. She, She looked more like a mermaid. A what? She was like a nymph from the sea. I, I thought she stood looking at me. She told me she'd been dead for centuries. And yet, not really dead. (laughs) I couldn't understand what she meant. She said something about her body being dead. But her mind being free to wander about the world. Fantastic. Oh, Dad, it was ghastly. She kept trying to convince me that I should let her mind enter my body. Well, what did she say she wanted to do? She said the entire civilization of the earth depended upon the task she had to perform. Oh, Phil, she... 
She seemed to be actually trying to force me out of my body so she could enter it. Judy, what did this creature look like? Oh, she was awful looking, Dad. She had long hair. Green and slimy like seaweed. Her teeth were brilliant red. They were long and, and pointed. She kept staring at me with her little beady eyes. They were horrible, for there were no eyelids. She never blinked once. She just stared and stared. Yes? What else, Judy? Well, it was horrible when she touched me. She had long, narrow fingers with no nails on them, and they were covered with fish-like scales. Well, that's positively the most amazing thing I've ever heard of. Mr. Howard. Oh, yes, Ned. What is it? Oh, I say, look at the lad. Why, what's wrong, boy? You're pale as a ghost. Mr. Howard. The dolphin. She's moving. The boat's moving. Good. The man got the motor started. No, sir. That's just it. The motors aren't running. And there's no wind. But the boat's making about 20 knots an hour. Oh. Why, why, this... This boat couldn't possibly move without motors. That's not all. There's a man at the helm steering the boat. And he's a man none of us have ever seen before. Man, are you sure? Sure as I'm standing here, sir. And he's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Well, let's go have a look at him. Hey, come on. You, you best stay here. Oh, no. No, I'm not going to stay here by myself. All right, come along, all of you. Follow me. Sort of a sea monster. Look at his hands, Mr. Haywood. The lad's right. Long, narrow fingers with webs between them. And no fingernails. Dad, Bill, they're like the hands of the girl in the dream. Where's he taking us? Yes. I wonder. Behind the sun. Oh, Lord. A huge wall of water rising out of the sea. Get down those steps, everybody. Get down, everybody. Down the shaft. Here, into the cabin. Yes, she made it. Just managed to close the door before the wave hit. Are you all right? Yes, okay. You, Judy? 
What a well caused that. Yeah, what? No wind. And a wave of water. Hundreds of feet high. It's a miracle we didn't capsize. Look, sir. To the port side. Yes, Ned? It's land. Land, by heaven. It can't be. Not in these waters. There's no land for 500 miles. And what's that over yonder? Mirage? No, sir. That's no mirage. It's land. It certainly is. Long, low coast. Extending north and south as far as you can see. A low, steaming land. Look. Look at the heavy vapors rising from it. You're right, Judy. It is steaming. That must explain the sultriness that's been around us these past two days. I've been in these waters a dozen times. This has never been here before. It's an entire continent. Where there ought not to be anything but empty sea. Land from the sea. That explains the wave that swept over us. A wave that high could only have been caused by an undersea disturbance. Oh, nonsense, Johnston. You're trying to say an underwater convulsion forced this vast expanse of land up to the surface. Precisely. A land called Iban. Now, I'll have to have a better explanation than that. Things like entire continents rising up out of the ocean just don't happen. Well, then if, if Dad's not correct, what is the explanation? There is no other. A land called Iban did exist at one time, nearly 10,000 years ago. Ruled by a man named Bool and a woman named Lana. They both possessed wonderful powers and knowledge. Bool, the emperor, destroyed the continent of Iban. How? By releasing vast unknown forces beneath the continent. Forces that only he and Lana knew how to control. But why did he destroy it? I... I, I don't seem to recall. I read the legend once, doing research for one of my pictures. It seems that for some reason or other, Bull and the girl were to release their spirits from their bodies. And those spirits were to have the power someday of recalling the sunken land from the sea. Then if, if such a story is true, that must be the land of Viban we're approaching. Not at all impossible. And if it is true, couldn't that monstrous chanting thing at the helm be Bull himself? Oh, Dad. Taking us with him back to his long-lost kingdom. You don't actually believe that, do you, Johnston? Why not? Well, I certainly don't. Well, Phil, what else can we believe? That wave couldn't have swept us off our course enough to put us in sight of this land. Besides, look at it. Steaming. And that sultry, foul odor. Land covered with seaweed. There's no one at the helm, sir. That monster's disappeared. Oh, but look. There's someone lying on the deck beneath the wheel. It's a man. Yes. Yeah, maybe that thing's met with a bit of hard luck. Now, careful. Careful, Hayward. Right. He's breathing. Only slightly. I say, who is he? Not a member of the crew. Well, how'd he get on board? Why is he lying here on deck? What happened to him? Oh, he's conscious. Uh, he's trying to tell us something. Uh, look here. Who are you? I... Stowaway. It... It in... Supply room. Went... To sleep, I... Right? 
he says. Hid in the supply room and went to sleep. Wait a minute. He's dead. Hey, what? I'm going to have a look over here. Oh, oh Judy, Judy. Oh, Dilla. I feel so strange. Oh, dear, you look ill. So very strange. You'd better go below to the cabin, dear. Yes, I, I'd better. I'll lie down for a while. Shall I go with you, dear? No. No, I'll be all right if I rest a little while. All right, dear. Be careful going to your cabin. Yes. Oh, Ned. Get a tarpaulin and cover the body. Right away, sir. Hey, wait. Come over here a minute, will you? Uh, yes, Johnson. What is it? Here. Have a look. See? Someone's climbed down that rope ladder and gone ashore through the mud and slime. Hmm. Whoever it was, he didn't sink in very deep. Seaweed's too thick. Kept him from sinking. I wonder who it was. I'm in favor of finding out. Oh, Ned. Yes, sir? We're going ashore. Watch out for Miss Blake, will you? Right, sir. And not a word of this to the rest of the crew, understand? Yes, sir. All right, Johnston. Down you go. Now, follow those footprints and see where they lead us. place I was ever in. Hold on. Look. Yeah. I see what you mean. A city up ahead there. A city. From the depths of the sea. I see Johnston. Isn't that Captain Webb going into that low-domed building over there? Eh? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. So that's our man. Ahoy, Captain. Captain Webb. Wait a minute, Captain. Hold up a bit. Hayward. He turned around. That snarl on his face. He's got a gun in his hand. Hayward. It isn't Webb. It's that thing. What in the name of heaven? Stand back, the two of you. Stand back. What? You are not Captain Webb. I am Bull. Emperor of Eban. And I've returned to claim again my ancient kingdom. If you come one step nearer, I shall be compelled to slay you. You dare not, Boole. Donna! Judy! You seem surprised, Boole. Did you think I would forget? Lana! Judy, darling, what does this mean? Why do you speak so strangely and... Why does this, this thing call you Lana? I am Lana, Philip Hayward. I have borrowed for a while the body of your beloved Judy. What? My mind, my spirit has entered her body. You see me as Judith Johnston, but now, now I am Lana, Empress of the Kingdom of Eban. <clears throat> I have returned to rule Eban. And I have returned to prevent You cannot prevent it, Lana. Look here. This quarrel is none of my affair. 
I demand that you release whatever power you have over my fiance. I have borrowed her body only for a little while, Philip Hayward. Just as Boole has borrowed the body of the captain of your craft. Yeah. The body I first borrowed was a weak one. A sick stowaway. The captain's is a sturdy body. Now it is mine. But you must return it to him, Boole. It is the law. You must return his body unharmed, just as I must return the body of Judith Johnson. It shall be so. I am about to enter the temple now to regain my Ebonite body. You cannot open the burial chamber unless I accompany you. I realize that full well. I enter the temple now. I shall await you, Lana, beside the sepulcher. Look here, Lana. Oh, whoever you are, this is some horrible nightmare. Philip Hayward, we must act quickly. I will try to explain. When Boole destroyed Eban 10,000 years ago, we sealed our Ebonite bodies in a vacuum chamber inside this temple. And our spirits left our bodies to roam the universe until Eban should be restored. Now Boole intends to re-enter his body and build a new Eban. Once he does reclaim his ancient body, all is lost. For no one save me can destroy him. And if I slay him, I too must die. But what can you do? I have a plan. Come with me into the temple where Bool awaits. There is Bool standing beside our ancient bodies, just as we left them so long ago. All is ready, Lana. We will break the vacuum, permit our spirits to enter our sleeping bodies. Are you prepared? I am prepared, Bool. Then we begin. vacuum. They're beginning to move. Yes. Slowly. Slowly. Look at them. No. No, don't. Please, no. Judy, Judy, darling. Oh, no. Help me. Judy. He's here again. I... I get here. Judy, thank heaven she's left you. You're yourself again. Look. They've left the vacuum. See? Up there. Oh, there she is. She's the one in my dream. You are free. All of you. Not so. 
populous of Eban. You cannot fool. Fool is all great, all powerful. Fool is the law. No one can defy. No one fool. Save me. You lack the courage, Lana. Not now. I have the courage now. You are cruel and wicked, fool. Your rule of ancient Eban ended in horrible tragedy. It must not happen again. Put down the weapon, Lana. You dare not slay me. You'll die yourself. Then I call upon death to claim me. You dare not, Lana. You dare not slay the son of the ancient one. Yes, fool, yes. It has been written by the hand of destiny. Lana, think. Think before you slay me. Beyond the realm of thought, fool. No. I destroy you, brother. did it. That is the end. All is finished now. Now you must go. Can you come with us, Lana? No. Soon I perish also. You must hurry now. Leave Eban quickly. Go while yet you have time. Hasten before it is too late. Darling, we're underway. Full speed ahead. No trouble starting the motors, dear? None at all. Your father and Ned are down with the crew. The men don't even suspect what has happened to us. Well, just as well. They'd never believe it. Well, take a last look, Judy. You'll soon be out of sight of the land. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad it's all over, Phil. But poor Lana... She gave her life to save ours, Phil. Yes, darling. She did. What's that? Look. <gasps> Flames from the mainland, like a volcano. Phil, the land's sinking. It's Lana. Judy. She's released the forces. She's destroyed ancient Eban once again.
from the Sea, an original tale of dark fantasy by Scott Bishop. Eleanor Naylor Corrin was Judith Johnston. Ben Morris played Philip Hayward. Fred Wayne was heard as Johnston. Eugene Francis played Ned. Georgiana Cook was Lana. And Daryl McAllister was Boole, the thing from the sea. Next Friday night at the same time, the National Broadcasting Company will bring you another weird adventure thriller, The Demon Tree, another tale of dark fantasy, created by Scott Bishop and based upon the ancient legend of the strangling oak of Nano Woods in England. So, listen for The Demon Tree next Friday night. That was The Thing from the Sea from Dark Fantasy here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And again, that is the winner of our poll that we put up on the internet, on the old website of uh, what episode you would like to hear for your Thanksgiving pleasure. Uh, (laughs) And you all voted for that coming in second place was the one I was really hoping to get, which was Super Highway Robbery from the Green Hornet. Too bad we can never do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, y'all voted for this. To be fair, we gave you a really weird selection. It is a very (laughs) weird selection. And And the fun of it is the only criteria was that it was broadcast the week of Thanksgiving. And all of them would have been a lot of fun to do in the sense of, what are we getting into here? (laughs) I think a Green Hornet would have been really interesting to do. Yeah, Dark Fantasy is a weird show, man. It is a weird show. Uh, I think it's interesting at the end of this that they plug next week Demon Tree, which we've done on this podcast, <laughs> which didn't go over very well. Spawn of the Subhuman, yeah. that went over very well for the wrong reasons. Right. And W is for Werewolf. Which went um, over for, for the wrong reasons. Mm. I'm being nice. Dark Fantasy is terrible. And, uh, <laughs> this is no different. This just, wow. Okay, where do we begin? Um, so there's not a lot I like about this, but mm-hmm. I will say that this is like an entire eight weeks of Flash Gordon serials crammed into 30 minutes. It's, it's like those the, old serials. The exposition never stops. <laughs> <laughs> right. It really does. The exposition should set up a story, but the entire time they're just saying, and then this happened, especially once the king and queen of... Ebon, or wherever Ebon. the ancient city is. It's I don't know why. It's a continent, Joshua. Get it right. Okay. <laughs> but just even the names, Bull and Lana. It's they, like having, and, like, and you Ebon. know, Grok and Marjorie. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Oh, I love Onion. this so much. Oh, <laughs> of you, course you did. Did too. you? This was like your friend in your mom's basement telling you about this gaming world he's created in his <laughs> outline for his trilogy of novels that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be able to relate to that, but sure. No, I'm sure, yes. <laughs> it's like, I enjoy this in a way that I would enjoy it if I were experiencing it, but I'm not actually experiencing that now. Right. <laughs> there are two huge issues with this, and one is it never really decided what story it wanted to be, mm-hmm. but I think the second part of it that was really hard on me was everybody on that boat they didn't really care much about what was going on the reaction to everything was not it's like oh look at this guy, <laughs> guy driving the ship now it's uh, there's a whole crew full of people who didn't, didn't, didn't know, know anything was going don't on. tell the crew wait they don't know they didn't see the entire continent pop up <laughs> 
they didn't see any of this happening. There's too many stories going on, and then it didn't know what to settle on. And then the story they did settle on. Just terrible. It's terrible. It's dreadful. Like you said, there are multiple stories starting and stopping here. And this first one is promising at the top. She has this dream. Yeah. And even a movie producer with these actors, and they're on their way to New Zealand, and there's something mysterious in the water. The premise Correct. there is just ripe for some horror. And I was like, on okay. board right there. The reporter yeah. telling the story, and all of that was, oh, cool premise. They've disappeared. And when they realize that there's some strange creature piloting their yacht, singing mm-hmm. some yes. creepy sea shanty, yep. that is really effective. It goes uh-huh. back to the quote we had from Scott Bishop at the top of this about, it's creepy because we don't know exactly mm-hmm. why it's there and what it's doing. And then we find out and everything falls apart. It fell apart. And we go, oh, it's just Bool. <laughs> <laughs> Inhabiting the body of a stowaway that we don't know about and won't care about till after he's dead. <laughs> yeah. It's just rickety, clumsy, amateurish writing. But let's acknowledge the references here, because yeah. it references Call of Cthulhu, sort of. It references uh-huh. Dagon, and you go ahead and give me these blank stares, Eric. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna power through this. Keep going. Is this uh, Lovecraft yes, stuff? Yeah. Okay. Because Lovecraft has Cthulhu lives in the right. sunken city of Relay, which comes back to the surface in Call of Cthulhu's story. Um, Dagon is a poem that sort of touches the same thing. Shadow over Innsmouth. References to Lemuria, the Lost Continent, and Atlantis. There's lots of other stories which are really good, which use these elements that this story does not borrow from well. <laughs> but just going back to what Joshua said, I know it's repeating. It's this flush all those references away. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, I want to, because what Joshua said was just so important to me. He was so close to a really great story. And you're so right. When that thing is driving, whatever you do with a ship, you steer a ship, you sail a ship. The thing at the wheel, mm-hmm. singing that really cryptic song. Wow. Just stay here. Stay here and figure out what this thing is. And then it just became, there were seven more stories after that. They got more and more complicated to the cryogenic chamber, to why she wanted to kill him. Well, if I have this straight... Okay, he, please you know, tell me. He was, she was angry with him for destroying the civilization, and then she destroyed their civilization. And that's more <laughs> sense than I got out of it. Everything think... was, Bool's going to come back because I need to kill him because, and when I kill him, I'm going to die because... There's no explanation. It felt like when a little kid tells a story. And does like, <laughs> right. and then Bool's going to come back, and then the continent will come up, and then we'll reference some H.P. Lovecraft, and then... <laughs> we used to re, uh, type out when uh, Kate was very young, our daughter, and she used to tell stories. And we used to type, because we both have the ability to type that fast. And when you read them verbatim, they're just like that. Yeah. <laughs> and this story did remind me of a Kate mm-hmm. story. And then this dolphin, and it could talk, and then, you know what, cake... It's <laughs> a good story. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than this. Which is not to say that we are not grateful to our listeners for voting on this for us. Thank you, listeners, well, for this terrible story. <laughs> but I don't think the listeners voted for this based on, oh, I listened to this and I love it. Some people are big fans of dark fantasy. No, they are. No. You, you can't deny reality. You no. cannot like it. There are huge fans of this no. show. There can't be. Name a good dark fantasy. Spawn of the Subhuman is one of my favorites. I mean, it's not good. wrong reasons. This is the thing about dark fantasy. I think it sets an accidental tone. 
I mean, because it feels very creepy, like especially at the beginning. It's very minimal, just the ambient sounds and music, and just the whispered dark fantasy. They I don't. Like the opening, they don't yeah. do any of the over-the-top hosts that other horror shows have. Correct. But I think it's sort of just the accidental side effect of the clumsy pacing and bad acting that makes it seem like dreamlike and strange. When in reality, it's sort of like adults doing a children's play you know what i mean like i don't mean to disparage it but i've really tried to like dark fantasy i don't think this was a a stab at weird fiction and it may well be that there were plenty of people writing for weird magazine that were at this level you know they were not all geniuses we remember the best of the best from that genre why is it that when there are people who are thousands of years old and come back to life they talk that monotone and weirdly. Like, Frankly, I was glad to have a little variety in the voices. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the no reaction from the cast to anything that's happening. Oh, look at that. Continent. <laughs> Again, that. I think it's accidental, but it gives it that weird dreamlike quality. Like these guys are just in this fog. Just a gasp. I will take a gasp that there is a dead person. Like nothing. Like, oh, look at that. <laughs> It does have at least one fantastic line, which is when Philip is responding to uh, the movie director, uh, Mr. Johnston, and says, just because you won an Academy Award is no sign I'm going to swallow the tripe you dish out in those eight real clam bakes of yours. (laughs) 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 You got the feeling that Scott Bishop was like, burn. (laughs) (laughs) I did like the, uh, you know, when as things are going, you're taking your notes and you're always hopeful. (laughs) And you can see in my notes where the hope just, I just gave up. (laughs) But the opening narration, I like how they set us up and gave us the background information on what we need to know from the reporter. If you're going to do a huge exposition dump, you might as well use journalism to do it. (laughs) It makes sense. And I thought it was brilliant instead of listening to some characters who were going to be involved, ridiculously explain what they both already know. I hate when that happens. Uh, So I thought that was great. What do you got so far? Read me the story. Okay, print it. And then we're on the boat. Mm -hmm. As Joshua said, this is interesting. I was really on board until the the continent came up. Like, hey, the motor's not working, but we're moving. That was nice. But you know what else did that was Spawn and the Subhuman. We were on board with that (laughs) for so long. He does the same thing as Spawn and the Subhuman in here where Judy describes this weird dream she had. And it might be the same actress doing the same voice. And Spawn and the Subhuman starts with that on the airplane where it's describing a strange dream she had connections man <laughs> this is a, a, He's playing a, it's a shared game. universe there's like, like two layers movies. here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are eight stories <laughs> though going on when i say i loved it it's in, in part because i felt my inner eric when you've talked about watching the lord of the rings or harry potter and it's like you just made up a bunch of names and... <laughs> <laughs> this is when someone actually does that eric this is what this is the actual result of that <laughs> that's true no one's named larry or steve <laughs> and you notice that lana just seems to carry a pistol to shoot bull to at the end it's just like a yeah where did that come from packing a rod and yep. the end and after all of that time surviving it just took that to kill him but he was able to live in, what was it, a vacuum chamber? So they had the technology to build a vacuum chamber. But they were keeping their spirits in there? Is that what it was? They roamed the universe for some reason. (laughs) I hesitate to have this conversation because we're just a half step from having this conversation about Lovecraft, and they're like, no, that is serious literature, and that's 
all connected and fine and good and integral. <laughs> they I, put their brains in a jar. That's what Migo do. <laughs> but I think it comes down to that split in tone. It goes from something that feels like horror and very atmospheric when they're on the boat to this jarring B-movie It's a B-movie. It is Flash Gordon does H.P. Lovecraft. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Only not as awesome as that sounds. <laughs> right? Yes. Because I just had a moment of, <gasps> wait. <laughs> I think we got something We discovered to write. a genre. <laughs> Let's abandon this podcast and get to work on that. <laughs> But let's take it to the vote. we got to wrap this up. That was terrible. And it does not stand the test of time. But it was thoroughly enjoyable from the standpoint of I did start laughing out loud <laughs> and go, what is happening? What is going on? And then when I went back and listened to try to connect the dots and what the plot was, I could not figure it out. <laughs> and I don't think they had it either. And why were they the only two that got put in the vacuum chamber? Well, the King and Queen, they're the leaders. Oh, that was the other line. Is uh, and we need you. You're staying here. You're gonna help us repopulate. <laughs> That's a whole other subplot. Yes. <laughs> like, like a guy in the back going, "All right, <laughs> <laughs> go brule." <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Let's get going. Then they discovered, really, they're just in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, New Zealand needs to be repopulated as well. <laughs> Tim? Uh, I wouldn't call it a classic. <laughs> I do enjoy it as a little novelty of the time because it is this strange example of this genre that is remembered in really high regard because, uh, as we were saying, like only the best examples are really preserved. And it's kind of interesting to see a really bad example of this kind of fantastical, weird genre. And it was quite good up to a certain point. <laughs> It was. Yeah. The problem is it's not as offensively bad as W is for Werewolf or as fantastically bad as Spawn of the Subhuman. It's just sort of boring, run-of-the-mill bad for me. So I would thank you, listeners. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I would like to take... It was a turkey. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I hate you so much for that. I would like to take this script up until right before the continent comes up and just erase that part on and write what I think should be and go do this right. That might be a fun writing exercise. Yeah, we could just fun. snip that and put the end of Spawn of the Subhuman on this one as well. It would be the same Probably meandering. just fine on an island. Yep. It's the same meandering crazy what? How many plot devices do you right. need? So any listeners out there, if you voted for this because you really love it, we do apologize, but like I'm telling you right now, they voted for it either A because it was a cool title and they they had hope, or B they knew and wanted to hear <laughs> us do this, knew. <laughs> and you still did it anyway. <laughs> so seriously, thank you for voting. All those who yeah. voted, yes. yes, this was a delight to kick around. <laughs> Jim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. You can comment on this uh, episode if you'd like. and Let us know what you thought of it. Uh, you can comment on 
any of the episodes. You'll find all the episodes of, the, of this podcast on that website. You'll also find different ways to get a hold of us through Facebook, through Instagram, contact page. You'll find information about our live shows because we got some live shows coming. And then more stuff to learn about that Joshua will tell about. Yes, you can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash the morals and become a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. You can also go to iTunes and write a review. That's another less uh, financially draining way to support this <laughs> podcast. Uh, either way, we appreciate it. Also, New Year's Eve, if you're in the Minneapolis area and want to do something that means something and have a lot of fun, uh, the Bash Cancer Bash will be at the Wabasha Street Caves. We will be performing an episode of The Shadow from 1939 that aired on New Year's Eve. Uh, that the Man night. Who Murdered Time. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, lots of other entertainment going on and dancing and Vic Valari and the Valari Lounge Orchestra will be there. It is for a good cause. We are not making money off it. We'd love to see you come on down and uh, have a great time that night. Coming up next, what do we have? We have another Patreon guest on the podcast. Brent will be joining us for an episode of Suspense called The Long Wait. Until then... Look out! The three of you will remain here forever to help rebuild the populace of Eban. All right. <laughs>